Welcome to Spinning Out. I'm your host, Josh Robbins. This is a podcast where we talk to guests about their favorite albums. Today we're talking with my friend, Gabron Colbert of the band The Give and Take, and also of Expert Timing. We talked about As Cities Burn's debut album, Sonny Loved You at Your Darkest, and about how evangelicalism and capitalism make strange and harmful bedfellows. The Give and Take released their EP, Great Pause, in 2021, and Gabron is working on a follow-up to hopefully be released this year. Also, Expert Timing released a really amazing album, Stargazing, recently on Count Your Lucky Stars, so check both of those out directly from the bands. Don't forget to check out our Patreon, that's patreon.com slash spinningoutpod. My co-host Sarah and I, we listen to records we liked a lot when we were younger and revisit them as much older and jaded individuals. You can subscribe for as little as $1 a month or more, and you'll get an exclusive episode every week. Thank you so much to everyone that subscribed in 2022, and those of you that subscribed over the holidays, it really means a lot. It uh, definitely helps with these expenses with, you know, these things, podcasts cost money. It's very strange, but they do. Follow us on social media, Twitter and Instagram, at SpinningOutPod. Please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Please leave a comment. Reviews definitely help. Okay, let's chat with Gabron. Hey, Gabron, how's it going? Good, good. I'm glad to be here. It's a cold, cold night in uh, East Liverpool, Ohio. Yeah, what, what's it? Uh, what's the temperature there? Uh, the low today was, I think, uh, no, it was 23. 23. And the, and the high is 35. Yeah, I, uh, I feel bad. I was actually walking my dog a little earlier, and I had like a long sleeve shirt, a hoodie, and like the hood up with like a beanie, and it was like 51 degrees. So I was like, somebody is, if someone saw me now, they'd be like, you know, it's like not technically that cold, but I was like, oh, this is too much. Yeah. Well, I ha- I'm like a little insecure because I'm, you know, I'm from Florida. This is my first winter up here. And yeah, I, I see so many people getting out of the car before work still wearing like a just a long sleeve whatever and jeans and I I put on gloves and I kind of wonder if people are like oh this guy he can't even take it or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh well today we are talking about As Cities Burn, their first record, Son I Love You at Your Darkest, and that came out June 21st, 2005 on Solid State Records. And what I'll ask is when was the first time you heard this band or this record? So I was in college, um, probably my freshman year, 2005, so it would have been my freshman year of college. And um, they had a song that I'm now totally blanking on, on the name. It's the fourth track that was kind of, you know, every, every album kind of has yeah. like the single or whatever. Bloodsucker Part 2 is track four. Okay, okay, yes. Okay, that, Okay. because I was thinking Incomplete as a Leech, and I knew that, yes, Bloodsucker Part 2 um, with the dual vocals, and um, I was, I, I loved the band after that, and because and, back then, it's not like I could have gone to YouTube or something and looked up the album, mm-hmm. But but I think just based on that one song alone, I was like, I I got a I I bought that I bought that CD. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Right away. <laughs> yeah. I I was actually thinking about it because when I started spinning this, when we talked about it, it's I was familiar with the band, but I was like, for some reason, I skipped this record, and this fell at a time frame that I was like 
into the stuff into the style like i was yeah and the only thing i could figure is maybe by 2005 i was like like oh i'm not gonna listen i'm gonna specifically not listen to like christian you know uh, stuff because i think i had kind of moved past it but then i was like thinking about other stuff i was listening to i was like i and i just don't know why it fell through the cracks and it could have been as simple as at that time frame if you just didn't have money for something there was not really any other way to listen to it so I think it's just I didn't buy it. None of my friends bought it, so I didn't listen to it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and and the opposite during that time, I was at like the height of my I am a Christian, I'm a I'm a punk Christian, and um I I was like into the uh I cannot remember like Jim Baker, I think his name is. He was like the son of a televangelist who uh who would like I think Jim Baker, Tammy Faye Baker, they were like disgrace but his son had like mm-hmm. tattoos yeah, yeah. and stuff yeah and, jay baker and yeah name. jay baker yeah yes mm-hmm. yeah yeah and I, I i was yeah i was super into god <laughs> and i and metal music was like it was kind of like my only way sometimes to to openly listen to metal music because if my parents in any kind of way objected i could say well it's it's religious it's about god so yeah you know yeah so but 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 I definitely it's so interesting because it I feel like it has kind of it holds a special place amongst all because there are just so many Christian metal bands in 2005 you know yeah yeah like if you if you would have said like the year before like that was completely my story too like that was such an easy way to kind of like filter things through it was like I could essentially hide listening to like Slayer or whatever it was yes. if I just kind of put on like beloved or something like yes. it, as cities burn like and be yeah, like see they say jesus you know or just like this is a christian they they knew enough that they knew like i convinced them that solid state and like tooth and nail were like christian labels yes. like you know they didn't really care the context but they just kind of were like if i see that logo i know it's, then i know yeah. yes I, I can buy it for it, no 100 percent. yeah i was i was definitely tooth and nail um, and then the militia group was another one of those, you know, all the bands were, were pretty straight laced essentially, you know, what? I actually, I don't know if I've ever heard of that label. Was that more of like a Florida thing or was that, what was militia group? The militia group had Copeland. Oh, okay. Um, it started the rocket summer. I think I remember, um, this band Branston was like a big, ah. you know, kind of kick off from that, but. Yeah, they they because of Copeland, who was from my hometown. That's how I got into Militia Group, and Copeland was one of those bands where they weren't just they didn't we weren't overtly Christian, but every everybody in the scene, you know, was in some way, shape, or form affiliated with that. You know. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's interesting. I feel like with missing as cities burn, like like I mentioned, it was like a name I knew. And I think I had just filed it away as like a record I had listened to because it's like around the time this came out, they toured with like the Chariot and He Is Legend, and He Is Legend is from my hometown, and so they were oh, like wow. the hometown band. And before they were called uh, He Is Legend, they were called Uriah Omen, and at that point oh. they were like more of a uh, metalcore band. And then when they switched it to He Is Legend, that was kind of like a signifier that <laughs> to us it was like oh they sing more now. <laughs> what's the difference but he is legend because of that we're bringing through kind of all of those affiliate bands like showbread and 
you know and it's yeah. like so it's like I, i'm guessing it's like i feel like i would have seen as cities burn and just not realized it at the time because it's like if i didn't catch what they said in the set like there was no way to really look it up you know it just felt like it was lost you know well and and musically it it was you know although i i do love to to see like i feel like he is legends metal music was different than norma jeans which mm-hmm. was different from as cities burn was different from every time i die um you know but but i get i also in the chariot they were doing some pretty innovative stuff but i also get as far as like as a blanket it can all kind of be a little samey a little mm-hmm. bit um that I'm, I'm sure a lot of it has to be because they were all recording in you know the same studios and they're all on the same label and stuff um mailing the sons of disaster they're you know part of that you know yeah. whole scene and stuff yeah yeah it so i think one of the things that was kind of interesting going into this was just that personally like how much this record feels like it holds up like I, I like I've revisited things like Dead Poetic and I feel like it's like yeah. I like it on like a nostalgic level and I think there's a lot of merits to it. So but it's like I feel I felt like I was like right away the production still is great. The drummer like stands out way above like so many uh, of the drummers at the time and not that any of them were bad, but I was like there is so much stuff that I feel like it's like they do not get credit for like for a scene you know so well and what you were saying you kind of came into them after that album they're a completely different band in my Mm -hmm. opinion after that album yeah it's just like that that one yeah son i loved you have your darkest and i i struggle with finding other bands that exactly kind of do like the guitar player cody he's doing all the tapping and stuff like you know like that's super popular now but that was kind of the first time i had heard moving from the the low of the neck right up to the high of the neck in, in the same two seconds. And um, yeah, I, I feel like this album is one of those, it, it it's really special. It really holds a, a very unique spot. Yeah. I, and, I know like Neil from late bloomer, he's kind of like, I, I feel like I got kind of introduced to them later, even though I knew the name because he would be, he would, tell me about like the later albums that i knew to be like more we'll say indie rock for yes you know, yes it's like not singing. metal at all and That's then like really a lot of kind of like he he would kind of because we're both into like post-rock stuff and he would be like there's a lot of like post-rock influence things on those later records that you know he would kind of use as like references even with like guitar parts for us you know so that's like an interesting thing. And that's kind of like what I remembered, you know, their sound being. So this was interesting, put in the context of the time, you know. Well, and Cody Bonnet, I think, is the guitar player's name, who then went on. He was already singing on Son I Loved You and then just went on to be the lead after his brother uh, left the band. Yeah. And kind of kept the name. But I, yeah, I think kind of did more his own thing as like a singer songwriter with a band mm-hmm. um and what i what i love about the when it goes from son i loved you to um i forget the name of the second one Come now sleep is the second okay okay and then the third one which is like has like a folk song on it and stuff mm-hmm. that's hell or high water uh, yes hell or high water yes and then their fourth one they reunited with 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 uh with tj but yeah the the the, the delineation of those three albums is such a cool it's like a pokemon where they kind of like turn into their next form but they're all related yeah um 
which is it's yeah it's really cool yeah and did you ever get to see the band during this time um no (laughs) (laughs) i had to think but but i have a lot to say about their live show during that time because i would watch a lot of videos of them and still watch them today and as a drummer now one of the unique things that i love about their drummer is any before any breakdown that they do he will literally slow the tempo down of the song by about like five b five to ten bpms yeah that's 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 not on the live record it's only like his own intonation live and i try to do that now once i have a real good groove for the song is is really like you can slow that bpm that your band can follow you you know you can really mess with the bpms of the song and and come back to being consistent they have such a killer live show um as far as just like everybody throwing their instruments around and keeping that that uh vibrancy together but i i'm saying that as someone who only watched videos i was not able to attend (laughs) yeah so so i guess what you were saying kind of changing the bpm do you feel like so you're saying it as like a conscious thing not like somebody that's kind of like like it would go five bpm down and then at the end of the breakdown he's just back to what the bpm It, it it was definitely not not a um a loose a looseness thing this was a tightness thing 100 percent. that he was that tight that he that and i've seen other drummers do it uh david bell from dikembe is able to do it um where you you reach a tightness where the bpm doesn't matter to you and you will always go right back to it and you can go fast or slow within it wow it was something with him that i picked up on right away was like this is this is a cool thing especially in metal music which is what it, what I what I said it, it creates a rubber band effect where it tightens that tension and then just boom like releases yeah. it once it gets catch right back into the BPM. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it feels like in I feel like with in my thought I feel like somebody would kind of slow down and then it's like to kind of get back you're you're kind of lost after yeah, that. Yeah, 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 definitely yeah. I it, it it man, I'll have to send you one of the videos after cuz I was I was kind of listening to them today and I put on some youtube videos like yeah he does do that like that is that is not on the record that is what he does live and it it just it really gets you going just you know yeah. get your <laughs> yeah there's like a so <laughs> there there's like a tastefulness that i feel like this recording has that i don't know if i can articulate it in words it just it feels like what the first record i actually when i first started listening to this for this i was assuming this was like their second record you know because and i know they have an ep after this which i think or before this which i think got them a lot of the attention uh but this to be as fully formed as a release like it's it's pretty crazy like it i don't yeah i don't have like good words for it it's just it's just i was like what (laughs) it well you know like it's it's really hard like because I love, you know, one of the things I love so much about today and Spotify and stuff is, is I love getting to experience an album for the first time. And Spotify has it kind of so happening so regular that I can really appreciate it when it's happening. Versus back then you buy the album and you're just like, ooh, it's a crapshoot. Who knows? I just want to get into yeah. it. But like, it was love at first, love at first listen. The, the fir- just that from the first guitar hit, and then you find yourself all the way to the last track. And it's like, I've listened to every song on this album. I haven't wanted to skip even the slow one. Um, the widow is like the lyrics and everything. it's just so impactful. And then it 
goes into Wake the Dead, which is like the heaviest song. It's just yeah, just no skips. No skips yeah, at all. Yeah, I couldn't think of anything and that's usually like a question I'll even ask. Like well, I guess I'll ask it now. Like I, I know you kinda said no skips, but like if you did have to cut a song, what do you feel like it would be? Track two. I always know. Track oh, okay. two's although I love track two, which is I think Son, I love you after that's what he that's when he actually says the name of the album. Oh right? yeah, so I, I think the song right. is like Love Jealous One Love. It's good. Yeah. They have that longer yeah. title. They have that, yeah. <laughs> it's all based on yeah, whatever scriptures yeah. and stuff. But yeah, that was always the one I, I felt to be kinda mid. Um mm-hmm. and all and, and actually I don't even really think it's mid. I just think when I think of all nine other tracks, mm-hmm. like like track uh, uh, eight and nine before the end track are like my two favorite ones. I'll never skip those last two. Admission Regret and uh, um, I forget the uh, 127 or something like yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. I'll, nev- I'll never skip those songs. Like those are probably, if I have to take like songs out of the album and put it on a different playlist, like just a As Cities Burn representative, I would put like Admission Regret on there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Admission Regret uh, features Josh uh, uh, Scott. I'm never sure how to pronounce his name, but Josh yes, from the Scoggin. Chariot. Yeah, mm-hmm. Josh from the Chariot um, as guest vocals, who also was one of the uh, producers of the record along with Matt Goldman. Yeah. Yes, at Glow in the Dark. Yeah. Which is where Under Oath did their album, the Chariot did their album, Copeland did an album there. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, there's a lot of bands that from that time period that I really love. And and honestly, Glow in the Dark in that studio was kind of my first following, looking up that information mm-hmm. and following that. Like, oh, well, they, you know, they did it at Glow in the Dark Studios. I'd love to hear the production level, um, you know. So it was and for not having a lot of opportunities to dig into the, to that kind of stuff. That was a really big touch point for me was knowing who Matt Goldman was and knowing what glow in the dark studios in Atlanta. Georgia yeah. Was. He's, <laughs> as, as I've kind of gone on, especially like we, we've covered more kind of Christian metalcore, you know, whatnot on, on the Patreon series that me and Sarah do. And that's oh. kind of where we kind of review a lot of that stuff that we used to listen to. And Matt Goldman comes up all the time. Um, like he's, he's like the go-to, like if it's solid state, he probably produced it for a yeah, period yeah. of time. And I believe he was in Atlanta. Uh, but I know he's now in like Spartanburg, South Carolina, but you know, okay, yeah, but this, that kind of Southeastern area with, you know, where all the stuff was pretty big. He was a former member of the blue man group. I, I mean, and I saw I saw something about that, and I was like, that can't be the same guy. Uh, but I didn't I didn't put that together. Uh, that's that's crazy though. Uh, well, you know, it, well, you know what it makes me think of is I, as a drummer, um, I really like uh, engineers and producers who are drummers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, that makes sense. I guess if, when you think about it like that, because I know uh, it was there was like a podcast with like this is like years ago with like jason sudeikis uh he actually he he had tried out for a blue man group like a few times and he was a drummer and uh, yeah get out of here and i think like he he either i think he ended up getting it but he said it was like one of the hard he's he was talking about it like that was harder to get into than like snl for him at that time <laughs> and it was like he would have to be like he would just like he would shave his head all the time and he would just practice drumming because wow. it's so drumming intensive with it. Yes. Like that's like it's performance, but it's drumming, you know? Yes. Yeah. And, <laughs> and that hyper level polyrhythmic kind of stuff where, 
you don't you don't play the beat you're playing a part of the beat because someone else is playing this part of the beat and it all has to i would have a, such a hard time you know yeah. uh trying to do all that <laughs> yeah. That, that yeah that's so insane yeah i think it is true with like drummers that are producer or producers that are drummers are often like the best producers you know because yeah it, it's such a foundational thing that I mean, it's honestly something that I usually can't wrap my head around. I mean, I'm not a drummer myself, so it's like when something's kind of wrong in that department, it's like I, I, I don't know. <laughs> you know. Well, you know, talking about the production on that album, one of the things that's always struck me about it is the way the toms sound. Um, they are just so prominent. And I can hear when he hits his, hits his rack, his high tom, and his low tom so distinctly and i just feel like that's a producer who plays drums who pays close attention and will take the time to really sit that in because i can i understand sometimes how how as long as the pattern is is being carried it's not a lot of stuff that if you're not a drummer you wouldn't really notice you know mm -hmm. yeah but i i like if definitely if one that would be one of the albums in particular that i would give as a reference as far as like oh if you made my drum sound like the album on the uh, cities burn album then i would be very happy <laughs> with that yeah i think there's there's he's not a drummer but the uh producer jay robbins um that did like the lemuria record yeah. he's done a ton of stuff but that's like pebble uh, lemuria pebble is the one I'm, i usually think of with that it's like he mixes drums and bass in a way that it's like it feels so complete like it's almost like you could just listen to a record of like his bass mm. and drum recordings and it feels like the complete record and for that to like with certain records like when that's like like brian mctiernan's kind of the same way then it's yeah. like frodus i feel like is another band that kind of has that kind of vibe to it where you're just like i could just listen to a recording of just this because it's just so big and yes. i feel like it's like when you get a really good drum and bass sound or even drum sound then it kind of allows everything to me, I'm like, everything can just go wherever as long as you have that strong foundation. Sure, sure, absolutely. Although, you know, funny thing is, is is counter to that is I always struggle with getting an equally good guitar tone. Mm -hmm. Like that is that is so that it's like they're both such such a hard thing to balance to get them both right. You yeah. know? Yeah. yeah. I think it's sometimes it's like when people nail it so well, like this record does... Yes. It almost makes it seem easy <laughs> because it, it just sounds so like, oh, well, if you can make it like that, then the whole record could be anything. And it's like yeah. what you're saying. It's like, no, nah, everything else is you know kind of hard. It's just it sounds so good in this context that it's like it makes it feel like anything. It could just be dog shit. And I'd still want to listen. You know? Well, yeah, that's that, so I mean, strong. That, that was me playing out of my Marshall, you know, 20 watt amp. Yeah. <laughs> trying trying to sound get my guitar to sound as good. <laughs> yeah. I think an yeah. interesting thing with like production like this too is that I think like whenever I'm like recording myself if I'm trying to make something heavy, it's good to remember that sometimes things aren't as kind of like heavy as you think they are on a recording. Like there's so many clean things going on that things oh. don't have to be as distorted as you would think. Like, I think if you, huh. like, pay attention to a lot of it, like, it's like heaviness can kind of be implied. 
And so I think an inclination, I mean, I do this when I play live. Sometimes I'll turn up my pedal too much, but it's good. I, I try and remind myself that it's like, if you kind of hit a certain vibe, it's like old, like kind of old rec, yeah. old metal records yeah. too. Like if you're oh, thinking yeah. about like Black Sabbath, it's like those things yeah. aren't really heavy. They kind of feel heavy implied. Sure. And so that, and what I mean by that is like, I think people tend to think things are more distorted than they really are when you're listening to them on a record. And I think this is like a good representation of that. Yeah. 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 You know, that's, that's such a cool point. That's a great point. Yeah. So, and, and it's like, too, it's like, if you kind of pay attention to some of the distorted, I mean, there's a, more than enough distortion on this record, but it's like sometimes it's kind of like panned to the yes. side and it's not always like the thing because it's like, you know, the drum recordings like as clean as it can be. And then like, you know, the bass and stuff. And it's like, you would think there's like distorted bass, but it's, it's not. And a lot of that stuff is kind of panned. And then you're almost like picking up on like the screamed vocals, you know, when it kind of weaves in and out of the clean. And which yeah. gives it that gives it a little bit more of that intensity. Yeah, you're right. And, 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 and Cody is playing like his lead lines just like soar. Yeah. You know, right over those songs. And they, re- and they do, and like, like the one I said I'd leave, uh, the jealousy one, like that end part, or no, the end part of, of the first track of, of Thusly, like that, that it's all ambient and delayed and stuff. Mm-hmm. And like, like I do love metal albums that really give you a chance to breathe. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Because I think it also, it makes when you actually go for something that's overly distorted, it makes those parts feel so much heavier. It's, Mm -hmm. it's, it's kind of the same concept in a different way. It's like almost like that Pixies effect that, you know, Nirvana uses where it's like you go really soft, just the loud, quiet dynamic thing. It's like if you go quiet enough when you hit the big part, even if you're like a three piece, it can sound huge if you do the dynamic right. You know, yeah. and as I say it, it's like, I don't know. I don't know if I've accomplished it all the times in my band, but it is like a good, it's a good thing to like keep in mind that it's like, if you can bring it down when you get big, it just sounds so much bigger. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would definitely have been interested to see what their original track listing and stuff was like for this, because yeah. How do you go in kind of knowing all this beforehand? It just, cause to, to get something as nice as, 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 what they got it, it is really great like yeah um yeah, it's ambitious <laughs> yeah and like that first track it's like uh the reference of the track listing or the the, the track thus from my lips is from uh yes. shakespeare um and it's romeo and juliet but they also i mean like you were mentioning they have a lot of kind of references to biblical yeah. verses like wake dead man wake is from the gospel of luke uh, okay. and then, uh, I couldn't actually figure out what one twenty seven is, but the thing that I could figure out what I thought it was, was Philippians one twenty seven, okay. which, which, uh, says late, basically it says lazy Christians disappoint God. And I was like, that feels like something a solid state band would be saying because they're often, you know, yes. a, a lot of these people, they're like almost like disaffected Christians. Like a lot of these people kind of are either ex-Christians now or they were yes. kind of having a complicated relationship with their faith. And because I know from experience, and I, I don't want to speak for them, but I know like bands like Hope's Fall and like bands like uh, even like He is Legend, 
they felt comp it was like a complicated thing being on a christian label and it wasn't that they felt that they weren't christian they often felt that they were christians but they weren't always making christian records you know and, and it's like they were christians who play in a band you know and that's I mean, how they wanted to be perceived more than christians it is because i mean because because this genre still exists today yeah and it it like the divide like switchfoot you know yeah. like still a pop rock band still very popular but still like obviously christian and it's like but sonically speaking you can't necessarily say but you but still you kind of know um and so it is really interesting how once you once your band starts to kind of become an entity on its own where it is about the music now like under oath went through that where mm -hmm. it's like we are a band we, we make music and it is limiting to have to go through a christian filter mm -hmm. to enable to grow as a musician so i totally get the play between yes we are christians in a band we want to still hold to that and like you said a lot of them have gone on to still be involved in the church and have great families and communities there. A lot of them have just gone on to, you know, be sex quote unquote secular people now. Um, but that came from, I feel like a lot of you're right. Just like, I really just, I have, I'm making enough money. I'd like to just make music a, as a profession, you yeah. know? Yeah. Um, and I know that, so we, I talked about it. Uh, well, I guess by this point, a few episodes ago uh, on the Juliana theory episode, there was uh, a specific podcast that the singer was on where he was talking about they had that same crisis because it was like they're all Christians, but they didn't feel that they were a Christian band. And mm -hmm. so that but they were like, if we if we sign to Solid State or Tooth and Nail, then almost right out the door before we've sold any records, records are already sold to Christian bookstores. So on day one. You've already sold like let's say a thousand records or whatever it yeah. was, yeah. And they were like, without that, if we went to a different label, we couldn't be sure of that. Mm -hmm. And so it was like, and there, I think there was the, and I could be getting it mixed up because I just haven't really identified as being a Christian in a long time. But <laughs> I think a lot of times too, there were like two things that kind of led you to be on tooth and nail versus solid state. Because uh, Tooth and Nail, a lot of times, I think that was for a lot of the bands that kind of were more overtly Christian. And then Solid State was kind of for those bands that were still Christian, but weren't, were potentially, usually it would be like heavier bands, but oftentimes it would yeah. be kind of that in-between kind of thing. like That, li that lyrically, they, they could curse a little more and yeah. things like that. Yeah. yeah, I get you. Yeah, yeah, no, I get you. They weren't like MXPX level. <laughs> yeah, edgy, I guess, would be, because it's like edgy still probably on a, like a Christian scale, but, you know. Yeah, well, you know, it's what what I love about that, I, I teach high school now, mm -hmm. so I, and I'm 36, so I'm around people that were the age that I was when I was into this kind of stuff, and trying to find ways to push your own boundaries, I feel like it's fundamental to your adolescent development and and some people find it in like really extreme ways some people find it in less extreme ways but it's still to them is extreme and to me i think 
hearing a band that didn't sing that just screamed was just really new really unique really extreme kind of made my parents a little bit uneasy um and so it, it really it really kind of spoke to my demographic who at the same time would li- would listen to um God, i'm trying to think like this is really bad listen to like a slipknot album and then feel bad because yeah, yeah. you know they're you know oh that's that's evil but then i listen to a norma jean album which is just spaz grindcore and be like well but this this is like screaming for god yeah and and i'm and i'm still a good guy yeah Um, yeah i felt like if i was in my room listening to slayer as opposed to like something like as cities burn then i would comfortably be laying in my bed as a kid like listening to that but with slayer i'm like right near the like pause button is make sure like my you know my stepmom didn't hear it because you know i didn't want to you know them talk about the devil (laughs) i just i distinctly remember uh, getting into Glassjaw at okay. that time, and this was this was after Pretty Lush, I think their first album. So the second album is a little tamer. Yeah, so yeah. then I get I get my mom to get me the first album. We get it together. She wants to hear it, and that guy's just saying the b word, yeah. and you know, like it, like extreme. And I was like, oh my. So yeah, I definitely remember having that feeling of, oh, I might could push this too far, and not be allowed to listen to this stuff yeah my, my parents would kind of like check in and out so it's like sometimes it, it wouldn't always make sense but every once in a while i remember i had an all cd and it was like i can't remember what record it was specifically but one of the songs was actually on the back i had uh all roy on a cross and one of the songs was she broke my dick and that was like not gonna fly yeah oh yeah. yeah yeah oh yeah <laughs> Can you imagine bringing home, yeah, a Cannibal Corpse album and stuff back then? Just, yeah, like that. Yeah. 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 I, I, I really couldn't imagine, like, at that time. I mean, like, even, uh, like, I keep mentioning Slayer, but it was like, you know, that was like, I felt like I had to hide it, you know. And, well, they have the yeah. big, they have the big pentagram, right? That's their, yeah. Their yeah. And I had Rain and, I, I had bought Rain and Blood when I was still living at home, and that's like, it's essentially just like a hell scene, you know? So it's like, if they saw it, they would be like, yes, you know, like, yes, yes. Yeah. So I, I guess like the question then, so with being raised Christian, like what denomination were, were you raised? Um, not non, non-denominational. And, and ironically, um, my, we didn't go to church. My, My family was always spiritual, more moral than anything. And um, I discovered particular like Pentecostal Baptist Christianity through my friends and wanting to play music in this small town Lakeland. Okay. So I was I was the one who went. I never actually really went to church, but I went to church functions. Mm-hmm. And I think and I think to my parents that was totally fine with them. You know, if I want to go hang out with some friends, if I want to go to a show, and the show's at the First Presbyterian Church. Mm-hmm. that they're way more in uh, inclined to let me go and stay there till 10 30 at night you know yeah yeah uh sarah had the same kind of thing there was a church that did shows in charlotte called avondale and okay. because it i think it was like presbyterian or whatnot mm-hmm. and because it was a church it was an easy sell then like 
really anything else, you know, a converted yeah. mechanic shop or something where a yeah. bunch of people were drinking, you know. Um, so it was, and even with me in Wilmington, uh, my aunt and uncle managed a Christian, they called it a light club. Uh, and that's where a lot of the bands, uh, would come through. Um, so that's where like he is legend would play or like showbread or, and it was a smaller club than even like all of those bands could play that at the same time, but they had kind of like, they grew out of that probably within like the next year. So for that specific year, like that was the place to be anytime I could kind of like f- try and figure out a ride across town, you know, because that was sure. still probably the bigger hurdle than the whole like Christian thing was. Was just yeah, driving you twenty minutes out of the way in at night. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, and and especially like one being like you say, wanting a teenager wanting to be a punk, essentially wanting to be in the punk scene. But if if my parents saw that I was around a bunch of people that smoked and was like the prototypical eighties um, uh, stereotype of what a punk was, yeah. then, then I would not have been able to have access. They would have banned me from it. My parents were pretty strict. So I think, I think Christian emo and Christian metalcore gave a lot of kids like me access to be able to be part of uh, a counterculture Um in a, in a way that I couldn't have if the counterculture was full of stoners and burnouts and stuff, essentially. Yeah, and even, yeah, because I was raised, like, uh, Pentecostal. It was actually apostolic was what they call it, but it's, okay. it's like, basically Pentecostal, but more strict. And so, essentially, even with, like, a uh, the Christian light club, like, uh, my parents were still kind of wary of that because they were like, it's not explicitly Pentecostal. Oh, yeah, you know, oh, so yeah. They yeah, were like, yeah. and, you know, but it was, it's like the door was slightly open more than anything else because, yes, you know. Because uh, at the end of the day, it's still, it's, and, and my dad would always say, he's like, well, at the end of the day, at least you're not at a bar. <laughs> you know, I'm not, you know, so. Yeah. 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 But it, it would always be, I mean, for my experience, like, if they kind of open up a little bit that you can go there, then eventually a few months later, personally, it was like, then I could kind of like get a friend to drive me to the bar, you know, one of the bars that, oh, yeah, shows yeah. that oh, for some yeah. reason let us in under 18. Um, but it was a different time. <laughs> well, I mean, honestly, like being back then, I don't know if you can attest to this, but I think a lot of people can, can uh, uh, relate to this where part of being a Christian was just like, giving yourself something to like feel bad about mm-hmm. when really you weren't really doing anything bad at all. It's just your own intrusive thoughts and your own anxieties. And, and God was just a big channel of that. Oh, I, I like the girl. Oh, you know, we had a, we had a nice consensual um, moment with each other, but I have to feel bad about it, you know? Yeah. And, you know, the Bible gives me an impetus to do so. I, and, you know, I just feel like that's such a common thing, especially amongst everybody, but especially adolescents is yeah. just that anxiety of what you're doing is wrong. Yeah, I think it's like an interesting thing with uh, being raised that way that I feel like, like speaking specifically to like what I talk about in therapy sometimes, and uh, it almost like makes you feel like if if it's too strict, you almost fracture because like, you start thinking about these things that aren't even like bad. <laughs> like I, yeah. for instance, like growing up, uh, the church I grew up at, like a thing, they just had really high standards is what they call them. And like we, I like, I wasn't allowed to wear shorts 
was one of the things. Oh, yeah. wow. And so, like, essentially, if, like, uh, if, I don't know, my friend gave me a pair of shorts or something and I wore them, I would just feel broken up about that. And you just feel like you're doing guilty. the worst thing. Yeah. You know? And then I look back on it and it seems so funny, but then I feel like you start kind of like, oh, that's, like, dark Josh. <laughs> and then it's like you just kind of make a fractured version of yourself for, like, not even bad things. And then I think yes. I would see that people that would kind of leave the church, they would end up, a lot of them would end up be like going to prison and things. I think it's almost like, because they just kind of like break so far out of the way. It's like, just like a rubber band and, you know, wow. um, and they just kind of like go, usually it'd be something stupid. Like I remember one person tried to counterfeit money by making a copy of it. And then he, he got, like kind of caught by like the FBI or something, but it was like a copy machine. And I was like, who does that? And I feel like I'm like, I understand him doing that because of the church I was raised at, because it was just some like, just, you know, just well, breaking. You know, it, what what I was thinking of, you know, okay, the, the, the title of the album, Son, I Loved You at Your Darkest, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's what you want to happen. And some people didn't get that they weren't loved at their dark, like their strict parents went, you did go too far. You were too dark and we don't love you. Yeah. And that, yeah, that just, that would break someone like that. I think, I think that was something I really connected with lyrically to a lot of that stuff was, Oh, I'm just glad I'm still loved. I'm glad I'm still loved. I'm glad someone's in my, I, I have great parents. I love them so much. They love me. And, and I could imagine for someone in that situation to not feel that forgiveness from their parents, what, what that, what that would do, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I've seen it be really tough cause, and then what's always interesting too, is then kind of like seeing that person come back to church and if they want to, that's fine. But sometimes it would be like, I would hear, cause I, as a kid, I would see people kind of leave church and then come back and then yeah. like, oh, yeah. they'd be like, I was at bars and I would smoke cigarettes and drink. And then now as an adult, I'm like, those aren't really technically bad yeah. things. You know, like yeah. if you were doing this in moderation, that would almost be the story. Like every kind of like traveling preacher would be like, there was a point in my life where I was at bars and I was drinking. And I'm like, that's like Wednesday night when, you know, you yeah. play a show. Like it's not inherently bad. And to kind well, of paint those things that way is really funny. I think obviously there must be something unfulfilled that they that you need to keep going back to, mm -hmm. which is which is totally natural if you don't get that that balance. I think I just naturally grew out of being a Christian because I just I I was thankful enough to to be loved and be cared for and and eventually realized I didn't necessarily need God to to make me feel to give me that sense of balance. I I have that sense of balance thank, thankfully. I mean I try to. It's not always perfect, but yeah. you know, in my own life, I don't, you know, my, you know, my 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 parents tell me they love me enough that I don't need God to tell me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I I think I I had someone that was like part of the church or part of a church. I can't remember who they were, but it was this thing where they fundamentally couldn't understand how someone could be a good person without like Christ. Yeah. And I was like, you understand right. that people that aren't Christians are just good people. You yeah. know, it's like they don't need that hanging over their head. It's like if you need that hanging over your head, then that's kind of says something about you. And I'm like, and yeah. also people just didn't like 
inherently murder people before Christianity existed, but then they don't want to listen to that too because it implies an existence before Christ. And it's like, you don't yeah. need you don't need God to be a good person. No, <laughs> no, I mean, a, exactly. Yeah. I, I, feel, I feel you're right. And, and the way that I, I, one of the things I have such an issue with is the way uh, Christian things are involved in um, in and people, uh, uh, I'm trying not Alcoholics Anonymous, but that kind of a rehabilitation. That's the word. Yeah. You know, that, cause I don't feel like uh, to each their own, but yeah, to, to say that, Oh, I needed, I needed this to be rehabilitated. It seems like, well, you didn't really do the work on your own then. Yeah. You, uh, I feel like I'm saying a lot of things. No, I, I understand I, what you mean because <laughs> I, I mean, as a personal thing, I mean, I don't mind saying it, but like there was a point where as a kid like uh well like teenager i started drinking really young and i I think i've talked about on this podcast or other podcasts where it's like where i stopped drinking at 20 essentially my brother is like uh but like a year and a half older than me and at this point he has like three duis and also my my birth mother she just had like big issues with like uh sobriety you know and so I kind of saw that 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 road ahead of me. And so I stopped at 20, but the thing is is like if you don't kind of work on yourself, you know, as people everyone should really. Yes, yes. Then I felt that I was like I didn't deal with the underlining issues for probably about 7 years. You know, so I stopped drinking at 20 and then it's like you're still an addict. And then so at like the age of like 27 I started going to meetings which eventually i started going to therapy but like you were saying i i got the it's like the book's called like bill says you know and there's a so i would go to alcoholics anonymous classes and it was strange to me as someone who was you know not a christian okay and they would kind of tell me because i was like you know i I have complicated things with this and sometimes they would tell you like well god is what you make it but you know and it's like but it does say god i need to put everything in god's hands but it's like but I want to be the one who gets past these, you know, like yes. my addictions. Yes. You know, and it's and so it is a complicated thing. And I think if you're able to kind of take those words of like putting it in God's hands and making it into something else, for sure. But I think it is yeah. it is hard. It was hard for me. And it eventually led me to just being like, I maybe I'll get what I need out of therapy. And I, I felt that that was true. Great. But I but I do know some people that I think that I know explicitly aren't Christians and they just you know, to them it's just like yeah yeah if it has to be God in quotes then if it's if it's keeping me on the straight and narrow which is funny to use that phrase too uh, then then sure <laughs> right. I'll, I'll be fine with it but but personally I do find it complicated like you were saying yes you know, yes kind well, of well and and I, we could get into all the, I just, as a black person and the historical things behind and what religion does to people across the world and this particular one, but, but, but philosophically speaking, yeah, if it, if it, I want everyone to, to be, to, to feel good about their own morality, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and the way that they want to, and, and, and you should feel good about morality if you're not, murdering people and all that you know hurt actively hurting people and well stuff, you know so. if you're not christian then you're just going to go around murdering people well that's the only thing <laughs> the only thing keeping me in check yeah well there, there's there's this Penn Jillette quote that i love where he's like yeah i'm an atheist 
and I am allowed to go around and do the amount of murdering and pillaging that I want, which, yeah. by the way, is none, is zero. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I do, though, because I feel like when I was younger, of course, as we all are, I was pretty angry about the way I was raised. And I feel like at this point in my life, I actually kind of enjoy being proven wrong when I meet like someone that's like progressive and Christian because I'm like, this is what I feel like the teachings mm -hmm. are. So if they're mm -hmm. able to employ it, like, you know, I've met people that go to like LGBT friendly churches and like trans friendly churches. And it's like, I love being proven wrong. <laughs> With yeah, that. but Do it, it doesn't happen yeah. as much as I would like, you know. No, no, and and in a perfect world, we would we recognize what it, it what it really does to everyone globally make, gives enough cause for us to find something else or revise it. Yeah, one hundred percent. Like yeah, you know, yeah. It, it's it starts feeling like it's like uh, I don't. It almost starts feeling like football to me. It's it's just like you know. It's like if this helps us if this helps you get through the week then who am i you know but yeah, like but yeah. when it when it gets to because I, I feel like i've you know told people and it feels obvious to us but it's like why does it make sense to pass legislation when other people aren't christians like if you pass something and you're like i am christian so abortion should be illegal. yeah and i know this stuff sounds really obvious to us and it always feels like preaching to the choir but it's like but it's I feel like they a lot of times like Christian people can't reckon with that. It's like then as you in your house or you as a person who is Christian, then simply don't get an abortion or simply don't. Sure. You know, if it but, were that. But it's it's not that, of course. Well, yeah. well, of course not, because I, I was literally kind of having the pseudo discussion about this other way. Internal thought becomes external action. Mm -hmm. so you can't you, you're you're if you if you truly believe that abortion is murder when you are presented with an external choice to prevent that you will and the problem is is if a majority of people do that they encroach upon the rights of other people to ha to have that right and that's that is where it gets dangerous like I, you know i get that oh it's just my thing but it's not just your thing your your internal thoughts really do make things happen in the real world yeah you know? yeah um, I, and it's like, I know it's it's hard just as a person to kind of like follow your logic all the way through. So, you know, but I, I think it's it's like, I feel like if you were anti-abortion, then if you follow that logic all the way, then it's like you should be anti-war. You should be anti like capital punishment. You know? oh, you should, yeah. Honestly, if you're, if you're anti-abortion, then you should be anti-capitalism because mm -hmm. then you would really want to provide free access to health care. For these children that are being born, yeah, if and you want them to have to free the teaching, education, yeah. If you sorry, to, uh, you know, yeah, cut you please. off, but like if you if you listen to the teachings of the New Testament of Jesus, there's so much things, and, and, and you know, a lot of people will do that almost like an, you know, an an act in a way, you know, and yes. like, but it's like if you're listening to it, then yeah, all of these things, like the there should be no homelessness uh, you know and these sounds like uh, it, sometimes i feel there was a point kind of pre-2016 where i felt like if i was at a show these always felt like you're like yeah 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 play the next song you know it's like preaching to the choir kind of thing but then like let's say after trump i was like maybe we aren't speaking to the choir you yeah. know and i was like i was like i feel like i grew up in a way where i took it i almost started taking it for granted 
and was like, I think everyone here that's at my show, I assume they agree with me. But then you kind of realize you're like, but they don't. That's that's yeah, a, that's he... my privilege in this point to assume that all these people at this like show, like hold my viewpoints. That's that yes. was like I learned my privilege in a hard way. Sure, sure, and and I I love the idea that that you kind of think that that's enough. Mm-hmm. You know that oh well you know yeah I go to punk shows we say <laughs> punk the man we yeah. fuck the man yeah but we're not we're not at all the yeah. man is is still doing us you know exactly yeah it's yeah uh, 2016 uh, uh 2020 COVID in particular for sure really radicalized me a lot I think I think before 2020 I would have said you just gotta work hard if you just work hard you will make it in this country. And I think losing my job in the way that I did really kind of took a lot of that privilege away from me. That just to show like, we are all on just a razor thin, straight and narrow line, you know, between, you know, and, and, and not as insulated as, as we should be as someone you're right, who has had 30 years of, of this, this mentality of, Hey, I don't, I don't want to work a job, jobs, job work sucks. I know. <laughs> and I'm, I'm still working. I'm, I'm still the same, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah. And I feel, I've, uh, I feel like I've also probably mentioned this a lot on the pod, but like that idea that like, when you see people being like, uh, Oh, well, what's your issue with Jeff Bezos or something? And it's like, there's no reason to defend a billionaire. Like you are like you and I, are essentially one tragedy away from being homeless. If we're lucky, we're two. Yeah. And it's like yes. we anyone that we know that's like we consider even rich, like some guy we drive by their house and we're like, that guy's rich. That person probably is only three tragedies away from being homeless. Like he is in yes. no way close, you know, they are no way yes. close to being close to a Have enough security. You know, and that's that's scary to think of that it's like you know, like you said, when you lost your job, it's like, you know, I, you know, a lot of my stuff dried up in 2020 and like we had to, you know, figure yeah. crazy shit out at the time. And like, it was like, and really, it's like, I knew, but it was like, if we lose our house, we're lucky that we have, or, you know, my wife's parents or like my dad, but what in instances when you don't, you know, Carissa and I li- living with, with, where we are currently living in her parents' house. And, and on one hand, we could be like, oh, her mother passed away. Our rent went up to $1,500. We could not afford that. And so a lot of terrible things happened. But I'm like, we're so privileged. Yeah. We were able to move to a, to a nice house and, and have parents that, that have given us this, have given me this opportunity to, spend a, a full year working rent free and you know then you're right what my parents uh big thing is following this guy called dave ramsey Ooh. and i know all about financial planning and every finance not even dave ramsey every financial plan says you have to find a way to eliminate one third of your bills and that is such a privileged statement mm-hmm. not you can't you can't not everybody gets to move into their parents house yeah you know you know, it's that's just uh, some people are have to take care of their parents. Yeah. You know, like so it, it, exactly. And, and, and not to, to go off just one more point is, is I always thought it was just so ridiculous that even my parents, your parents 
can be really proud of saving, you know, you know, you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars up to a million dollars. Um, but then to Jeff Bezos, to Elon Musk, to to the people who own Disney, to to Kylie Jenner, you know, they earn their whole life's your whole life's worth in a year, yeah. less than a year. Yeah. And that that just that that can't be fair. That's not a fair system at all. It's so obvious to me, you know. Yeah, yeah. And then it's you know it's like then I remember even my dad like uh, it's like in two thousand and eight like the crisis you know he just all that money he saved from working a state job for oh, thirty years he essentially oh, yes. he lost like a, you know a hundred thousand dollars and it's like you know and it's like he's you know he ended up moving in with like my grandmother. Um, and to kind of take care of her. So it kind of worked out in that way, but it's like, sure, sure. think about just those, those little things. Like what if my dad didn't have that? Like what if his, you know, my grandmother had already passed away and then it was like, where do I go when I lose this money? Because I thought that I had saved up essentially, this is for however long <laughs> I'm going to live, you know? And it's just, it's scary because I think a lot of times people, even the idea, because it's like I had a barber that had the same thing. He was like a guy who's like close to retirement. And he, it was like the same same time frame, basically same story. He essentially had like $350,000 that's going to last him for the rest of his life. And he lost he lost like around like $80,000 of it. Because, oh you gosh. know, and he was like, what do I do? And then, you know, was, I was like, I and I worked in finance at the time. And I was like, all I can tell you is essentially don't cash it out. But it's like, <laughs> but this isn't my own Dave Ramsey thing. And it's just, but it makes me feel like it's like, <laughs> even the thought of like, that step isn't even really afforded to us now as no. you know, a younger generation. It's like, you know, those like a lot of the state jobs have become like contractors now. And a lot of, you know, it's like, you know, a, a guy that owned his, that started, that, that barber like owned his business from like 1960, you know, <laughs> and he was at retirement age. And it's like, we're not even sure that we're pretty much, we know we're not going to retire like our generation ever. No, no. Yeah. How, how, how can I feasibly pay off a home that at minimum is going to cost me? two to three hundred thousand dollars yeah and that's just to get it and as and, and i said two i say you know less than 200 but you're still going to get a 200 and the repairs you have to do to it over the years that you have it and and i and right now the idea that somehow i could get a job that would that i made 80 to a hundred thousand dollars with i'd have to invest fifty thousand more dollars in them into graduate school it's just yeah the metrics because the reality is, in, in my opinion, with the way inflation is, as a teacher right now, with adjusted for inflation, I should be making seventy to eighty thousand dollars right now. Yeah, that's if if you can live comfortably off of a teacher's salary, that's what it should be. But but living off of a thirty five thousand dollar a year salary does not give me enough money to save to buy a home. No, yeah, Un yeah. unless I'm living rent free, <laughs> you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's it's just, and 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 yeah, I. It's weird because I don't I don't see my my parents' generation saying that and admitting that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they, I think they, it's it's like they kind of just live in the world that existed at the time as it was set up. You know, as as inflation allowed, and it's like 
it's it's so it's so wild to just kind of like live in your own bubble like it's like the whole concept of even like a like i work a job that has like a 401k but it's like the way all that stuff is set up they assume essentially a system that doesn't exist anymore you set aside money in a way that if this were like 1975 these programs make sense because like you should have been able to you should have been been able to like get a pension and then live off of that mm-hmm. for the rest of your life or like a 401k mm-hmm. should allow you to save enough but it's like but then you're they're, they're still factoring in a sense that you're like oh if you save blank amount of dollars then you'll be good for life and it's like people died at 70 back when these things were set up sure. and it's like you also are living too long for the systems that they none of these systems you know as we know pay hasn't been updated and like all of these systems that are supposed to help you out of these issues haven't been really updated since they were created. <laughs> and, the, and the things that really kind of frustrate me is very simple things that already exist can really, like, if I didn't, if I didn't have to pay for health insurance, I, I could save a lot more money. Healthcare should be free. If I didn't have to pay off student loans, I would have a lot more money. Education should be free yeah it, it make those things free and then you you free up people's mobility to be able to to do things with it kind of i feel like will adjust for this because for the yeah the way inflation is is if you could have lived off of seventy thousand dollars for your retirement you have to live off of seven hundred thousand dollars today yeah to, to 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 retire on and how are we going to get seven hundred thousand extra dollars if we're paying for health insurance and paying for all our medical expenses on top of the health insurance and every, every single else, you know, it's just some things need to be made free, yeah. you know, to adjust for this. 100%. And like, I was lucky enough me and Sarah, like, I don't know, like long, I mean like eight years ago or whatnot, like we bought a house and in within the end of that year, we wouldn't have been able to afford it to like live in our own neighborhood. Like, oh. you know, like, oh, because the, all the other houses prices had, yeah. yeah. Like by the time yeah. it, cause we bought a house for like way under 200,000 and that's not the market. Like in my neighborhood now, houses that are the same size as my house and sometimes okay. worse are like $400,000 houses. Yeah, exactly. We can't exactly. afford that, you know? Exactly. And it's like, and at the time, you know, it was like even being like, how are we going to afford this? But it's like, you know, so that what what ends up being interesting is, I have friends that make, let's say let's say they're doing well and they make the you know because I feel like me and Sarah are doing fine, and mm-hmm. like uh, they make the same amount of us as us, and they can't afford to live in our neighborhood, and that's it's such a fucked up thought, and it's like what do you, and then I feel like I see people like gloat about how much you know a lot of people in my neighborhood on like the Facebook groups and stuff will be like houses are close to 500,000 now. And I'm like, what, what the fuck do I do with that money? Like this fictional money, like when people tell you in, and it's like, there are privileges obviously that I know that I have because of the situation that I'm in. But if, if, Mm -hmm. cause I had a friend that was like, man, it's like our house. It's like four times what I paid for it. Yeah. You know? And then I'm like, what do you do? What the fuck are you going to do with that money? (laughs) What are you going to go buy a house for the amount that, you know, this, (laughs) 
you know, like, put it down on and what's and then what's the what 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 is it called the the monthly payment on your mortgage your mortgage payments on that yeah. you know yeah and and this and you're talking about a, a good step think about all the people who are still in the in the renters you know who are still renting yeah you know that that are paying more house mortgage prices and that money is just getting thrown away just going into the landlord's pocket what's so fucked up is like a lot of those people are paying like i would say almost triple what i pay in yes, mortgage yes, because yes. that's just what you know the all that stuff's based off of what like house value is now and it's like it's it's insane because it's like they're paying three times what we pay just to rent and yes, they're told I, I, by people like dave ramsey Put aside some money. So oh yeah, yeah. Buy yeah. a fucking oh, no, house. My 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 favorite part is the you need to forego anything that make that brings you joy until that happens. According to the Dave Ramsey plan, I could not be here on this podcast right now because what music would I be? Could I make? Yeah, I don't. I'm not enough. I don't deserve to make music financially speaking until until I paid off all my student loans. And I have three to six months worth of bills in 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 savings, which means I would need to have oh ten thousand, twenty thousand dollars in savings, um, and then I can finally start to work on my album, and that would take me ten years. So I'd be forty five, just getting started, um, and that was all. Especially and, I, and my my family had me do Dave Ramsey Pan when I was twenty five, and I just remember thinking like, this is not feasible. I, if I stop seeing my friends at 25 years old, the depression that I would enter would be un. I would never be able to recover from, from that. You know, beans and rice. This is beans and rice. Eat, eat beans and rice and rice and beans, mm-hmm. which doesn't even make any sense. It's just yeah. It was. Ugh, it just it, it's not it's impractical, and I remember the frustration of my mom finding out how much I pay in rent and then her telling me, well, you know what, maybe you and Sir Carissa should look into getting a house. If you're paying that much in your, in your rent, you can surely pay a mortgage. Yeah. And I, was, and I was like, okay, but you haven't thought about the next step past that. You just think it's a thing you can do. And it's not like that. I've been trying to do that. And I, yeah. and, and, and before COVID I was making $25 an hour. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what that it what was was uh, annually, but that that was that's the most I've ever been paid hourly. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, I bet when you if when I guess if we added that up right the second, that's not that much. It's like <laughs> I've been in this I've been in that situation all my life where I'm like, that's a lot to me because that's like you know the most I make. But when we add it up, and you think about what that is annually, you know, it's like it's it's not that much. You know? No, so especially if I'm supposed to be making. A hundred thousand dollars a year, yeah. to, in order to be a a, a middle class, essentially. Yeah, yeah, and it, I think what's interesting too, like you know, kind of like somewhat trying to you know guide it back to like as cities burn. It's like oh. a lot of the stuff, <laughs> like kind of feels like it's like, and I don't know how to articulate it. A lot of it feels so rooted in this concept of what mod, like modern capitalism being being so tied intrinsically to evangelicalism is what I want to call it. Cause it's like, it's mm-hmm. like, I mean, Christian Christianity is what we would say it is, but it's like evangelicalism 
Just the yes. idea that it, that had been co-opted so much that it's like, God wants me as a pastor to like have these these Jordans. You know, like have you seen like yes. the preacher sneakers uh, Instagram page? <laughs> oh my gosh, no, I have not seen that. Yeah, essentially, page it's like they'll take a picture of a of a uh, mega church pastor and they'll break down their whole wardrobe. Like that's all that Instagram page does, and it will like tell you how much their uh, outfits oh, are worth. Uh, yeah, pros prosperity gospels mm -hmm. are so dangerous and are not even limited to religious people yeah my that that the attitude that i'm successful because i'm supposed to be essentially mm -hmm. right right and anyone who isn't isn't supposed to be and the only one they have to blame for that is themselves yeah what's funny and i'm probably also taking on another weird tangent is i feel like <laughs> it's interesting that we will see that tiny version of capitalism which we're all called in um in like a diy scene or something you know it's like mm -hmm. essentially because if you were if you were given the privilege you know to like get on a tour then it's sort of like told to people that it's like Oh, we're good. Therefore, yes, yes. You know, yes. And it, it's like it's like a mini capitalism thing, and it's yeah, like, yes. and it's like I, there's so many bands that I'm friends with that have gotten those opportunities, and I'm happy for them. You know, and it's like, but that band that didn't get the opportunity, realistically, they are as good. So it's exactly. like it doesn't. You know, it's like that thing. It's when we kind of put do that little mini capitalism scale that we're all caught in. To, in so many other facets of our life, it, it's really interesting, you know. Yeah, yeah. I, I think, I, I, honestly, on, on, on two, on two different levels. For, first level being, um, you, you need to thank your team and the happenstance. Exactly. There, two bands equally good, and one is the Beatles. And, and it doesn't mean that you either of you did anything wrong. You yeah. know, that's 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 how it is also capitalism though if 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 there are two bands equally good and one band has seventy thousand dollars worth of of money invested the other band has seven thousand dollars the seventy thousand dollar band is the one that's going to succeed no matter how good yeah in my i just think i think capitalism has made it so is that if you can one of the stories i love is the beastie boys in order to get where they were one of their members uh, got hit by a car, got run, got their foot run over by a car or something, and they got a thirty plus thousand dollar settlement. <laughs> and with that, they were able to not work for a full year and only do music. Yeah, and th that gave them a leg up so many other people could not even fathom. You know. Yeah. It's yeah. just money, money. If used correctly, money does. And, you know, for better or worse, it's, and, yeah. and, and I think a lot, especially in, at, bring it back to as cities burn and in the Christian form, um, a lot of these bands came from wealthy, you know, had, had wealthy backing that in the sense that they were able to have nice amps, nice guitars, luxury time to go take off tour and know that they could go back to mommy and daddy after they were done stuff like that that some people without that privilege wouldn't have able to take advantage of yeah i think it's there was like uh 
there was basically a ban kind of more regionally. It's not, you know, like, I don't know if any of this applies to as cities burn. So if anyone, yeah. has, if anyone of the man's listening to this, I, you, they <laughs> probably agree with this at this point with all of we said, <laughs> because I feel like a lot of these people kind of grown up with kind of the same viewpoints. Um, but there was a kind of a more regional ban and it was like, they ended up like getting produced by like Randy Jackson or something. Whoa. And it was like, but a lot of that money was coming through like a, a regional church. Like mm-hmm. the band wasn't mm-hmm. explicitly like, I don't think they were viewed as like a Christian band at all, but they were but... getting, because those people had like, they were either still playing in a church band or like part of that yes. church. That church floated a lot of that money, you know, and yes. that's like a that's a situation that like, you know, most of us are really most of anyone can't say that they've been in, you know. So it's it's an interesting thing. Those God dollars kind of will get you. I yeah, any kind, you know. <laughs> believe me, if 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 I if I if I could if I could comfortably uh, drop to part time. I would do a lot more music. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And there's like a there's like a local grant that um, has kind of a allowed a few artists locally to oh. kind of like uh, and it's it's so interesting that I don't usually see that model. There's not a lot of cities that either if it's there, I don't where don't we don't feel like we're educated to find it. Yeah, you know, yes, that's like absolutely. an interesting thing because oh, I feel absolutely. like there. So I, I've talked to friends about like I have a friend that, you know, is in like is Canadian and there's a lot of problems with the grant systems, but they still also have those systems in place and they're like told where they are, you know, like we're not really told where they are. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I'm mm-hmm. at the age that I am and I'm barely thought that they existed. And it was like this year, this person was like, hey, I got a grant. And I'm like, that's not something we're educated on, you know, for art. Right. Yeah. 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 I know um, I, t- I talked to a musician, he's kind of an older musician, who said, with what I do between my music, between being an expert timing, is he doesn't understand why I don't incorporate myself as an LLC. Because <laughs> yeah. uh, then, then you, I would apply for separate taxes on the things that I do as a musician. The government would give me tax breaks and pay off my equipment sometimes, my travel expenses yeah. if I keep up with it. Yeah, it is. It is interesting. It is interesting. I think it's like not it's like if we think about like growing up and going to like public school systems, it's like, why, of course, isn't any of this taught? Like, it's like, (laughs) why isn't there, you know, and I hope if there is someone tell me, you know, like if there's a Dave Ramsey equivalent of some guy that's telling you where to find grants, that's not the uh, the Matthew Lesko uh, question mark guy, (laughs) uh, then like, who is that? person you know like i, I would they love ca- to know I, I teach at a high school and they kind of have it and it's an elective course so okay. yeah <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> not yeah. everyone can take it yeah exactly uh but the biology state exam is rigorous so and you know how much you gotta know molecular biology to, <laughs> to yeah work. just that i mean i know stem's like a different thing but just the idea of like you know, science technology kind of being like the main thrust of like so much education and not allowing for like arts in, you know, the United States is still so troubling. Yeah. I mean, I, not to keep going on rants, I do, <laughs> I lo- I'm loving talking to you, but I just, I just remember thinking now that I'm 36, 
I would have never given me or any 18 year old $30,000 to go to school. Mm -hmm. you, you don't, you didn't, you don't know, you don't know. And, and, um, yeah, I feel like I, I although, okay, I'm not trying, I feel like I'm trying to say something against them. I'm not trying to say anything against them. I love education, but what I don't like is the puppy mill that is college. Mm -hmm. That is, you have to go. And by the way, it is expensive, getting more expensive all the time. Don't worry about that. You just got to go. There's no other alternatives for you. And the same thing also goes for vocational work. You still have to go to school to learn those trade skills. You have to pay for your classes and pay for your tools. So it's just, it's just all this weird starting you off behind. So then you spend the first part of your life still paying back something that you never should have had to, to pay back. At, you know, at eight, you know, I, I took, I wasted so much time in college all to, to come out to be a teacher 10 years later. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and, and I have nothing from, I have no books from college. I have no notes from college. There's, there's, there's no, there's no, there's no special knowledge that I gained from a college class that has made the difference in my, in my professional ability today. Yeah. Um, and it's because exactly I took, I took no financial courses. I took no, I, I had no education on, on what paying bills was like, what cooking for yourself was like, cleaning yourself, caring for yourself, taking care of a car, to having a pet, taking care of that, have so many responsibilities, you know, exactly. But, but I, but I took a, I took, you know, women's literature and I took astronomy Same. and I took yeah. philosophy and, you know, so, it's, and I took that and I paid $800 a course for that, by the way. So. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I understand that completely because like, I remember nearing the, it's like, there was a semester where, cause I was like, I had taken all my core classes and I was like working toward my English degree end up like American studies minor too, where it was like history of the 1980s, uh, you know, uh, Hitchcock yeah, and film, you know, like stuff I'm interested in, but it's like, you know, I guess it helps me on a podcast sometimes, but it's yeah, like, it, yeah. it, it didn't like get me a job at any point. Like, you know, uh, I could tell you a lot about the film noir class that I took, but it's, <laughs> it has never benefited me in a job interview. You know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you I, I would. And, and I wish there was a little more, uh, explanation. I wish someone had really sat down and said, do you know what have, having $30,000 in debt really means? Do you, do you know how to have a budget for your groceries? You know, that a lot of that kind of stuff that, cause it really, it really has, it has come down to money. You know, it has, a lot of it has come down to money is made like I, I'm capable of doing what I want to do. The, the barrier of my ability to do it is 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 my, is the time I have to spend making money in order to do so, and yeah, that's yeah. touring and and recording and the whole and the whole like you know. Yeah. I wish I, I I'd love to invest fifty thousand dollars in, into recording. I'd have a blast. Yeah, you know? if anyone's <laughs> listening and they have fifty thousand dollars, please give it to Gabron. Well, and 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 know what? Give it to me, and I'll and I'll give twenty of it to you, man. I didn't say twenty five. I said twenty. <laughs> <laughs> it's the capitalist in me <laughs> yeah yeah we're stuck in it you know um i guess if we have to you know bring it back around before we close out back to as cities burn it's like yeah. how do you feel like this record influenced or it's like did it influence like your songwriting like now with like your current projects okay 100 percent. i feel like having gone back now that's why I've and like the lit, we know we had to come up with the list of some albums we wanted to do. 
I was like, this would be an interesting one because, like, I love Norma Jean. You know, I mean, I, I could talk about, you know, that um, I, I Am Hollywood, the, you know, the, the mm-hmm. he, he is legend now. But, Son, I Loved You As Your Darkest, I've yet to find another band that does that. Mm-hmm. All of that. I mean, I know bands that do tapping. I know bands that are heavy. Honestly, uh, so they um, pian- Pianos Will Become the Teeth is is a band that kind of reminds me a little bit of of what they of of what they do um but yeah just and 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 on and on di- in several different ways first yes the drums the drummer is killer his 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 tom work in particular if this with the way he he cracks between his low and his high toms has been something i i, I do an expert timing all the time because of hearing that um the guitar work because it's so fast but so clean mm-hmm. that is something I as a lead player if I want to try and emulate yeah and then the last thing is I think TJ as the screamer like there's like a different kind of scream where you're just distorting your voice screaming, yeah, yeah. you know I'm doing it really bad <laughs> of it. versus like screaming from here from your chest you know and that's what TJ does is yeah. just that just straight like he's talking screaming not distorting his voice on purpose it's and and that's something I've, I've carried with me and and as i get a chance to do more albums on my own so, like i do acoustic stuff now out of love of that and of convenience but like yeah if you ever gave me fifty thousand dollars i'm making a full electric record mm-hmm. with like one acoustic track on there and your boy is going to be yelling and screaming on it because because i the just that energy that out all those elements between crazy drums incredible guitar work the sporadic instrumentation and then the yelling that is just so and like like this like i think tj probably was not doing it properly it's probably hurting himself doing it but whatever it sounds (laughs) awesome yeah i know when uh yeah like a little uh factoid again like when he left in 2007 like it was uh supposedly to kind of like spend more time at home with his wife but like he eventually came back to the band but what i'll say to tj's credit is like the way that cody and tj are able to almost like harmonize so well because a lot of times like screaming it's like you know the weaving between the clean and the because that's not always the thing with a lot of the sing scream kind of bands it's like Mm -hmm. there's like you know, there's parts where, like, even with Beloved, a band that I love a lot, it's like it's singing sure. and then it's screaming. You know, it's like yes, a lot of that yes. thing. And it's like the way they weave this is always something like I have a few examples that I feel like I can point to. But like this feels like if I'm thinking of ways to employ kind of screaming in a band like even mine that doesn't really yeah. scream, this is something it's... I would almost bring to a producer and be like, you can do it. And I think you can even you can do it in ways that are like outside of this kind of style of music, and it's it's, yeah. it's so interesting, you know. I I, I love Pacu Pacu Pacu, and Hard Girls, um, kind of for that like gotta really yell it, you know. Yes, exactly. Like you're yeah. singing, but but you're, you're like you're not singing quite. You're pushing your voice, you know. Yeah. Really pushing it. I I I love that. If if you if, if, and and I love your voice as an instrument. Do that, you know. Let your voice stretch, stretch that muscle. I try to do the same thing for drums. I try to do the hardest thing ever that I've ever done on every album, and the softest thing I've ever done on every album. You know, like because it just I want that range. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
Yeah. You know. Yeah, and you know, I guess since we kind of mentioned it too, uh, so that you expert timing just put out an album uh, recently. So yeah, I guess if you wanted to kind of let people know where they can find that and the name of the record and everything. Oh yes, thank you so much. Yeah, so we we released um, the album called Stargazing on Count Your Lucky Stars um, in August, no October. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, now I'm blanking on that. But you, but we have vinyl now. You can go to uh, cyls.com uh, um, to to buy that, and uh, you know, expert timing um, at Facebook. Um, I also have a solo project called The Give and Take, and I released an album uh, called Great Pause last May, um, uh, the May before last, and I'm actually currently working on a country album. Um, that I, I, that's, it's, 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 it's written, it's demoed. I just got to now commit to, to doing it for real. So yeah, time I, and I, resources I, at this point. Yeah. 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 I remember that whole thing. Yeah. 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 Having to move and all that kind of stuff and yeah. being in another band. So, but it'll be out soon. Um, but I love talking about music, um, and, and dissecting albums and listening to music is something I hope I get to do for the rest of, of my life. Yeah. And yeah, it's been a blast talking to you. And I I think back to kind of where this all started with these conversations like you're uh, so you were on my Instagram show that was called Spinning Out and we talked about the specials. So even just as we wrap up, just thinking of the range of that from talking about the specials to As Cities Burn, like that's (laughs) everything I wanted this podcast to be. And so I love that I'm able to like bring you back for such like a radically different thing and still just have a you know blast talking to you about it oh josh uh, it it means so much to me to get to be a part of the scene and this lineage and y- your podcast is such a huge part of, of 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 creating the scene because it's it's being able to see your name a lot among other people's names all kind of discussing and doing the, the same love of thing and and to know that that you you interviewed art alizakis from everclear yes. my hero yeah. <laughs> so now we have six i have six degrees of separation between me and art alizakis <laughs> thanks yeah, you to do. you and, yeah. <laughs> and i'm just i just can't thank you enough um just just to be your friend and to and and it just when me listening to as cities burn at that age wish i could be on this podcast now talking about it so thank you so much welcome back thanks again to gabron for coming on the pod such an amazing person to chat with and always a pleasure catching up so check out the newest expert timing album and stay tuned for new music from the give and take okay next time we're talking with sean alpe aka completions about the band stereo lab more on that next week once again check out our patreon that's patreon.com spinning out pod you can subscribe for as little as one dollar a month or more and you'll get an exclusive episode every week follow us on social media twitter and instagram at spinning out pod please rate review and subscribe on apple Podcasts, and leave a comment thanks as always to sarah blumenthal for editing the pod and pretty maddie for the theme okay have a great 2023 and we'll see you next week